Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, October 12th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a post-draft free agency and trade market edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Bill Meltzer will join us momentarily. Uh, a lot's been going on over the past week around the NHL. Crazy week, free agent frenzy, the silly season, crazy reports, crazy signings, whether uh, that is now going to be Taylor Hall in Buffalo. As we record this, it seems like Petrangelo is going to sign in Vegas. You don't fuel up the jet and go to Vegas unless you're going to sign a contract. That's what it looks like is going to happen there. Uh, for two of the big names in free agency, Tory Krug ends up going to St. Louis. A lot of big names uh, dropping and signing all over uh, the National Hockey League. Uh, without further ado, though, let's talk to the Flyers insider. Here's my conversation with Bill Meltzer. Happy to have joined us once again here on Flyers Daily, a Monday edition after what's been an extremely busy week around the NHL. Not on the ice, but this is a busy off-ice week. Is NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com writer Bill Meltzer. Bill, wow, what a crazy week it's been. Uh, and there's still going to be uh, signings that happen, trades, but uh, what a crazy last week uh, for the NHL as the offseason program really got kicked into high gear. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, I mean, the Stanley Cup was just awarded. And so, you know, then the, the draft and the start of free agency and boom, boom, quick succession like that, you know, that uh, it, it has been crazy. There's been, you know, the, I mean, they're, they're one of the first day, you know, teams were still waiting on some things, but a lot of signings went down the first day and, the second, usually what you usually what you could, you'll hit after the next day or two is you know the news will come in and, and drips and drabs rather than you know a whole bunch at once. So I mean there will be moves throughout the off season, particularly as right really right up to the start of the season because a lot of teams are, are facing cap issues. You know just just in terms of uh, getting compliant by opening night, some teams are going to be over the cap during during the off season and they'll have to. Uh, pared down by the start of the season and there'll be some you know it's like a game of musical chairs with free agents you know the guys that uh the guys that are still standing and, and not seated in the chairs they get desperate for contracts too so there will there will be some signings some bargains out there but most of the uh most of the bigger names that have been out there um you know as we're recording this it's uh all reports are that alex petrangelo was about to sign with uh, vegas and of course he was the the big prize in the uh, free agent market this uh, this off season, so that uh, you know that's the biggest name off the board, and, and most of the other you know prominent names. Although there's still some forwards out there, uh, you know, signed somewhere at this point. Um, Bill, when you look at this off season for the Flyers, it's interesting because you know it's it's a pivotal off season for the team because they took such a big progressive step forward uh, as an NHL contender, uh, and you know really made hay with a great second half of uh, a shortened regular season. I uh, ended up winning a round of the playoffs, but then out of the blue, Matt Niskanen decides to retire. Um, you do have a, a good number of unrestricted free agents, a couple that you grabbed at the deadline and Derek Grant and, and Nate Thompson um, that you weren't planning on re-signing. And then Tyler Pitlick uh, in a flat cap world was a casualty of that as well. Um, as you get into this free agency period, um, Chuck Fletcher has not, has not signed any players uh has it surprised you that they haven't signed anybody at this point truthfully yes um you know i mean i i you know listen petrangelo was always kind of a i wouldn't say a pipe dream but it was a long shot because you know there's a lot of teams with interest and uh you know i mean vegas when they got it done and it's really that's really up to the player you know 
I'm sure at, at the very least Don Mean was contacted and, uh, you know, hey, if we could work it out, would your client be interested in coming here? And, you know, I, w- I would suspect just that, you know, they made contact and the Flyers weren't on the player's shortlist. That's up, that's up to the player to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I would have I, – I don't know. I mean, there is there is still, you know, it's still early in the offseason – you don't know, you know, you don't know what comes around. I, I still expect the Flyers to make some move to try to address uh, another starter on the blue line. Um, you know, the most of the guys who would be, you would think would be first pairing guys uh, are off the market at this point. Uh, the Flyers were, you know, rumored to be in on TJ Brody. He, he ended up deciding to sign with Toronto. Um, that's a guy who will give you 20 something minutes a night and, you know, whatnot. You know those guys aren't in, those guys aren't a ton of supply, but I mean there's also there are also trade possibilities. You know um, there there are guys who have one year of term remaining, which may be uh, you know it's maybe advantageous with the expansion draft coming a year from now because you get a guy with term. You know particularly if it's the guy you want to keep, then you have to re- reconfigure your uh, expansion draft strategy um, because if you protect four defensemen instead of three, then you can only protect four forwards, and then you're almost guaranteed to lose someone you don't want to lose. So that, you know, the, the amount of term on the contract is definitely a piece of it too, you know, with the flat cap. I mean, I know there's a lot of consideration. Um, I did, you know, if you, if you would have said to me before the start of free agency, do I think the flyers will make a move within the first three days? I would have predicted yes. Um, you know, but I, I think also that, uh, you know, you don't judge, you don't judge the off season until you go into the season and, and see what you have. Um, you know, with Tyler Pitlick walking, um, you know, I mean, Pitlick was a Pitlick was an effective player for the Flyers last season. Um, you know, was making a million dollars. He was on a bargain contract. Even even now, the deal that he got in Arizona, he got I think 1.75 for two years. But the thing is, when you're dealing with flat, you know, with flat cap and not a ton of wiggle room, every 500,000 you spend here, every million you spend there can come back and hurt you later on. Um, you know, the Flyers do have um, several players coming in. Tano Lashinsky and uh, Wade Allison and uh, Lino Sandin's coming over from Sweden. All three are guys that the organization believes can play in the NHL as soon as this upcoming season. Uh, and also Nick Abe Kubel seeing a, an expanded role. So while Pitlick was a good and effective player, you know, he's not an irreplaceable player. I, I don't think anybody's expecting Nate Thompson to be resigned or Derek Grant to be resigned. Um, really, the big hole right now still is the, uh, you know, the sudden retirement of, of Matt Niskanen. That really kind of threw the off-season plan in a tizzy. Although, you know, although Chuck Fletcher apparently knew about it, um, you know, several weeks ago, and they talked about, it and he told told Matt to think about it a little bit, and Matt thought about it, and you know, his mind was made up at that point. But I mean, I, I think when everybody was kind of game planning the off-season. You know, the, uh, either a either a third line center, uh, just just to be sure you have that that uh, base cover just in case Nolan Patrick isn't ready to play this year. Um, you know, and of course there was also a lot of talk about a scoring winger, uh, but I think as soon as Niskanen retired, the number one need became a guy to play alongside Ivan Provorov, or at least a guy to give you a lot of minutes, uh, play PK or power play, but just because. You know, it's, it's ideal to have a guy who plays all situations like Niskanen, but but that can be hard to you know check all of those boxes in one in one fell swoop. But at least a guy that can play in the top four 
you know, if, if it ends up that uh, Phil Myers ends up sliding up to the top pairing, or you know, Travis Sanheim played on the top pairing with uh, Provorov, uh, not this past season, but the season before that, and most most of the second half of the season. Honestly, though, Jason, you know, I, I think going back to that Islander series. Uh, the the pairing of Sandheim and, and Myers looked really really good in the round robin and good in the uh, and good in the Montreal series. Those two struggled. Those two struggled in the yeah. Islander series along with other other guys on the team. But it did it did give me a little bit of pause as to whether either guy is ready to face you know, the kind of matchups that that you face when you're paired with Provorov. You see the other team's best line night after night after night. So you know I I would I'm not saying that neither guy is capable of it. I'm just saying that. You know, I'm a little leery of going and saying, "Okay, that's that's Plan A here." Um, yeah. You know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what uh, we'll see what develops as the off season goes along. Uh, Bill, when you when you look at it too, you know, going into the free agency period, uh, I felt like free agency was not where they were going to make noise in this, just because, you know, with a flat cap, not only it's not a flat cap for just next year. This could be a flat cap for anywhere between three and five years. Who knows, right? Um, yeah. How many years that is, and and the planning that takes place with that I, I always thought that significant change it was more likely to happen via trade because with a with a free agent signing it's all plus money in uh, a trade obviously you're likely sending money the other way uh, and it's just more palatable so okay you, you do have to save a little bit of money when you don't re-sign re Pitlick I think Nicholas Albe Kubel moves into that role maybe Bunneman moves into his role um, and, and you have to make those kind of decisions and is there a drop off maybe to Tyler Pitlick? Okay, um, but but it, we're really kind of parsing it here at that point um, with a, a you know probably a fourth line player, um, and that should not determine whether you're better or not next season. Uh, but I, I always thought that it was going to be trade where they kind of got the work done because, and, and you heard it, I heard it. Elliot Friedman talked about it. Everybody wants to trade with the Flyers because they have things people want, <laughs> and it, it's going to be up to Chuck Fletcher to decide how to use those things, whether to act patient with them um, and use them on his own team or to use them as currency, as part of a deal. And he may be forced to do that at this point because none of those pieces are ready for uh, a, a top pairing defenseman right now. So his head may be forced a little bit here to dip into an area where he hasn't wanted to dip into and maybe trade youth prospects, picks, whatever it might be. Uh, to find a guy that does fit alongside Pro Roth, and maybe that's a guy in Matt Dumba. Yeah, possibly. I mean, Dumba's a guy who uh, would be, you know, there for, you know, for a number of years. You're not talking about an older player, a guy in his mid twenties. So, uh, you know, that, that would be that would certainly be a possibility, and you would have to you'd have to you know return you know you'd have to send some value the other way. Um, of course, with this, by the same token, you know, do. It doesn't always it doesn't always make sense to plug one hole, rip another open. That is the advantage of a free agent, mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's no there's no easy answers, but uh, you know, but I I would like to see you know, and I you know, and I know I know due diligence is done. Like I said, even even with the top names in the market, I'm sure tires are at least kicked as to you know what is this you know what are you looking for your for your client? Where might you want to go? So. You know, just because the team's name isn't tied to them, sometimes you know Lou Lamarillo was a master of that. He wouldn't even you wouldn't even hear his team mentioned, and then all of a sudden he's he's lagging in the weeds and comes out and he you know snatches a player when you know they were never mentioned. I mean that's uh, 
you know, or, or you can go all the way back, right, to when everybody said Ray Bork was coming to the Flyers. Lo and behold, Colorado gets them. So, you know, it just, it just, it just happens that way. Sometimes there's, there's a team that's just working, you know, just below the surface and something happens. Um, but and, and uh, look, the Flyer you know, fans were so conditioned, Bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Every yeah. shiny toy that's ever been out there, they were in on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, uh, you know, that, that was another reality. I mean, it, it was even into the cap years, Jason, you yeah. know, like the first year after the cap, Peter Forsberg picked Philadelphia. He had nine different offers, but he picked Philly. Right. Um, you know, just go on down the line. Right. Um, Briere. Uh, Briere. Briere had many offers, came to Philly. Teeman and Hartnell were free agents. Flyers traded for the rights and, and signed them. No, you know, so that, that, those, those were announced the same day as the trade. Now, Brzezgalov didn't work out, but he'd been a Vezina finals, came to Philly. Yager had at least five offers. So which team he would go to when he made his comeback to the NHL, he chose Philly. You know, we, we were conditioned to it, right? Every time yeah. there was a, a big name that was out there, if the, fly, if the Flyers didn't get them, they were finalists for them. Uh, Shea Weber offer sheet, right? Until the Flyers went into rebuild mode, we were conditioned to it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a little the other side of the coin now. And, I mean, I mean honestly, it, you know, it doesn't feel great, right? It, it, you were always expected to be, you know, a, any free agent you wanted, you could snap your fingers. And, if, you know, if, even if they didn't come here, you know, you're one of the two or three finalists. It's, yeah. it's a different reality with the, you know, with the cap, with the fact that the Flyers shifted their focus. And they're still, I mean, the Flyers, uh, you know, under, under Chuck Fletcher, the Flyers still have not been anxious to move draft picks in the high end of the draft. Where should they be? I mean, that's how that's how you stay competitive for a long time. The way you the way you build a team that can be compete for a long time is that you have guys that are either on their entry level deals or on their second contracts. You know, those few high price veterans, and then as you need to, you're replenishing from within. That that's that's been the uh, you know the game plan for how teams that have been successful get there. But the Flyers had to kind of rebuild the uh, farm system from scratch to a large extent. Now, fortunately, at that time. You know, when you know, people talk about the, the Homer years, and I always point out, well, when, when Hexy came in, you know, uh, Claude Giroux was just getting, you know, was in his prime, right? And Couturier was a young player, and um, Voracek was still a young player, and Simmons was a young player, and Shen was a young player, you know, when, when, the, uh, when the changing of the guard took place. So, so Hexy at least had enough pieces in place to, at the very least, be a bubble team while he was continuing to stockpile assets and, you know, build through the draft. Uh, you know, now the kind of situation, some of these players are, are they're getting older. A lot of these guys are in their thirties now. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, in some ways it's more challenging, but on the flip side of it, there's more depth too, right? This, this is a, this is still, this is still a pretty good hockey team. You know, that's, uh, that's something else to keep in mind. Um, to me, to me, the one significant area where the flyers need, you know, need to, to figure out a solution is replacing Matt Niskanen as best as they can, because finding a direct replacement is tough, but uh, you know, otherwise you have, uh, you have some good young forwards coming in. I think the Flyers are still a pretty deep team up front. Uh, Flyers were still, you know, in the top seven offensively in the NHL this past year, uh, a healthy Lindblom for a whole season. A, um, if Patrick can come back, assuming he comes back, and, uh, you know, a little bit of a bounce back year. I think, uh, you know, it, assuming JVR has not moved, I don't think he will be. Uh, he had 19 goals this past year. I think, he'll, I think he can easily bounce back to, you know, at least 25. So, you know, I, I think that there's still 
pieces in there to be a pretty good hockey team. I, I, I do think, again, that the number one priority has to be uh, a 20-something minute-a-night defenseman. I, I don't see a way around that. Um, Bill, it's not often on the podcast I can make your head spin and blow your mind. But I'm about to, because as we're taping this at uh, 7.27 on Sunday evening, um, I just see a text from Pierre Lebrun that Taylor Hall has signed a one-year dollar or one-year deal worth $8 million with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, that was rumored earlier. Yeah. Yeah, now, well, he'll be, on, he'll be along <laughs> with Jack Eichel for a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see if he loses his love for hockey in a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the good news. Uh, everybody's always told me that if you got a diagnosis that you only got a week to live, they said to move to Buffalo because it'll seem like eternity. I wonder how long a year <laughs> seems like in Buffalo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, we will, we will find out. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, that wasn't the destination that people were, were thinking of beforehand. But listen, you know, playing alongside Eichel might make them a lot of change a year from now. So. Yeah. Uh, look, frankly, I thought you'd see a, a lot of deals like this, not at that, you know, that size at $8 million, because there's not that many players that can command that other than Petrangelo, who turned down an eight by eight, apparently from St. Louis. But, um, and we saw the money that Tory Krug got, uh, but one year, 8 million Taylor Hall betting on himself again uh, to get into a, a better situation and in a free agent and be an unrestricted free agent when there's fans in buildings. And th- that could pay huge dividends for him because he'll still be young. No question. And, and uh, that's a guy who you could see moving at the deadline again, too. So. Yeah, when Buffalo's out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, you could recoup a first. You can Maybe they just paid $8 million for a first-round pick and a player and a, and a future prospect. Yeah. That's, that may be exactly what happened. Um, Bill, um, go, going forward here into this trade market, and you, you have no, we have no idea how long this is going to extend. But one of the things Chuck Fletcher did say, a couple things. I, I want to start with the fact that he said that, you know, if he goes into the season um, with a healthy Shane Goss to spare and James Van Riemsdyk, who you just alluded to, he's happy with that. And I know that people on social media kind of went bananas when they saw that quote. And look, the first thing, my first response about that is, did you want the general manager to devalue his assets? And, right. that, you know, if he doesn't like the way either of those players played or doesn't see them in the future plans, he's certainly not going to go on a press conference on day one of NHL free agency and say so. So when a GM says those things, just remember that (laughs) number one Um, (laughs) and number two, um, the other thing is this is Chuck said that going into the season with that cap space could also be an advantage. So we like our team. And going into the season, having that cap space could play into their advantage. Explain to everybody uh, why that's an advantage to make moves in season where you can take on cap space. That's something really different that we haven't seen here in a while. No, absolutely. When you have what they call banked cap space, so you have open cap space. Let's say, uh, let's say you have $4 million of cap space. And at the exact midpoint of the season, uh, you could take on a player with an $8 million cap hit he'd have $4 million left over the rest of that season. So every, uh, you know, over that course of the season, you know, the bank cap space you have appreciates as to what kind of player you could actually acquire if you were to, you know, to use that cap space at a, at a later point. And if you were to hold that $4 million until the deadline, then all of a sudden you could get, uh, you know, a player who's making significantly more you know, money. Um, now, you know, for obviously the net, if he has term left, then, you got to plan for that beyond that season, but but as a short-term thing, it's it's 
the most bang for your buck if you have cap space available. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's all very complicated, and uh, you know, just kind of looking at the rumors and and stuff going on here on Twitter, it, it's crazy. Uh, Andy Strickland, uh, what we talked about before, hearing Nate Schmidt will be traded to the part of Panthers. Uh, we've seen all kinds of different names out there and teams. It, it is certainly silly season, but I gotta say it's a little fun. I, I want the game back on the ice. Like right now, Bill, as you know, the leaves are changing <laughs> and starting to fall. Like I'm ready to go to games and and consume the sport again, other than my son's tournament in Hershey. Um, but uh, that's a little ways off, and it looks like January first uh, may be, uh, in fact, that yep. date. So let me ask you about that. Um, Gary Bettman came out and kind of confirmed the date, the timetable. Uh, we don't know uh, exactly how the tiered fans, uh, return of fans may work. Um, something I've heard about in using those terms. Um, but the, the league has th- said maybe they start with an outdoor game. Not a bad idea, but without fans. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, that would be, that'd be a great, a great way to start. You the know, leagues of Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know what? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, January 1st, if, if they're able to do that, and it certainly sounds, sounds like the goal, I mean, that would be uh, around the corner pretty quickly, you know? So, that'd be nice. Yeah, training camp would not be that far off where I know Chuck talked about it, perhaps a, a quick two-week camp type thing, maybe a limited preseason, if any, and then get the uh, 2021 season. So just going to have one name for it this year. Well, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days here, Bill. Uh, as uh, free agency continues, the trade market will – uh, maybe get as one GM called it unconstipated, and we'll see how that plays out over over the next period of time, and see if the Flyers uh, make any additions to this lineup, including that very big hole that you talked about with Matt Niskin and, and top pairing defenseman. Thanks for doing this, Bill. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, really, man. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this edition of Flyers Daily with Jason McKinnis. We'll be back Wednesday with another all brand new edition of Flyers Daily. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Flyers Daily.